Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Hello and welcome to Bible Mysteries. I'm here today with Zena. And my name is Scott, and we're going to talk about those things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know about. All the secrets that have been locked in there for who knows how long. So stay tuned. Stay tuned, because today we're going to talk about something called the seed of the woman. But before we get to that, it's just a reminder of what we've covered in the last three episodes. We saw that there was a world uh, populated by angels when in the original creation, and there was a cherub named Lucifer that rebelled against God, took a third of the angels with him, Yes, and he ruined God's creation. So God had to destroy it with a flood, not the flood of Noah, but the first flood we found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So we learned that the creation story in the rest of the book of Genesis is a reconstruction story, and in that reconstruction, God made three heavens. Yes. And we learned about that, three heavens, and God is in the third heaven, that's where his throne is. And then in the last week's episode, we saw that he made a frozen sea of glass. Yes, he did. A frozen deep to separate his throne from the rest of the tainted creation. So today we're going to talk about that creation and finish up where God makes man. But before we do that, we had discussed a little bit about heaven since we were talking about the three heavens. And some of the things that I would encourage people who are listening to do is do some research on their own. Obviously, the scriptures are there for you to look into. There's another great book I want to recommend. It's called Heaven, and it's by Randy Alcorn. It's available through any outlet like Amazon or or, um, any bookseller. And uh, he's an excellent author that writes about heaven from a Bible perspective, and most people don't really know what's in heaven because they don't take the time to really research it. So I would encourage you to take a look at that book. It is excellent. Now, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1 today because we're going to find out that after this rebellion and reconstruction, God now makes somebody to replace that kingdom of angels, all right? Really? Yes, because we knew that Lucifer was a king. Remember, he was called the king of Tyrus in that Torah book, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. And so when we go to Genesis chapter 1 again, and we come to the day, the sixth day, God makes man. And we're going to read the passage in the book of Genesis, and you might find that there's some wording in there that you never realized was there. Okay. okay, so it's verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. Now, right off the bat, isn't that interesting? He said, let us make Who's man. us? That's a great question. I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> so us would be in the light of the rest of Scripture. We know that God is a father, the father. Yes. Okay, we know that he has a spirit that the Bible calls his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, the man, was, according to the scripture, born of a woman, but he is the eternal son of God. Yeah. So if you look at God as a trinity, then the us would have to be the trinity, conversing together to say, what are we going to do now? It's not like God needed to have a conversation to get anybody to <laughs> counsel him on it. But since the three of them 
are one in the same and, mm-hmm. and three persons in one God, or it's called the Godhead in the Bible, then the indication would be that they were discussing how are we going to fix this mess that Lucifer created that I had to destroy, but I have a plan for the earth, I have a plan for heavens, and I want, I want it to carry through. So they said, let us make man, and notice he says, in our image. Well, God is invisible, yeah. Right? So what image did man have? Is it Jesus? Is It would have to be Jesus because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the man Jesus or the son of God, Jesus, is the express image of God's person. Okay. So in reality, you could say the first man, Adam, looked just like Jesus. Really? And what's interesting to note, too, the word Adam is, you know, we <laughs> when I grew up, we used to go to the dentist mm-hmm. when we were kids, and there would always be this little children's Bible story, but with pictures. And Jesus and Adam and Eve were always white people, <laughs> just as fair-skinned as I am, and I'm as pale and blotchy as you can get. But they would always be like naked in the garden with a tree with apples and a snake yeah. wrapped around it, right? And that's not at all what is true, because the word Adam is Adam in Hebrew, and it literally means red man. Really? Red man. So I don't mean to say that he was as bright red as like a, you know, as blood, but he was reddish in color, probably because as we're going to find out when God made man and woman, Eve, he made them from the dust of the earth. Okay. So dirt, red clay, you think like Alabama, right? Yeah. Red dirt. So it's possible that the dirt was reddish in soil, and that's why he had the color of a reddish man. So I think in my mind of Adam as like a Native American. Okay, that, that makes sense. That kind of a reddish hue, you know. And, and Jesus Christ, when he was born, uh, was born Jewish to a Semitic genealogy, right? Mm-hmm. So he would have been the dark, brown, olive-skinned, person that you see in the Middle East, you know, a Semitic person. So he, you know, because what happened is in Western civilization, as the painters and stuff began to draw, well, they didn't know these things. So they would paint the Jesus that they thought looked like them, right? So obviously whatever the culture reflected at the time was how they envisioned him. But if they can go back and actually study the Bible and search the scriptures, they find out that he would have been Semitic. And Adam apparently was red, (laughs) a reddish person. So God made him in our image. And then he says this in verse 26, after our likeness and let them, which would be man, mankind, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And in the prior five days, God had already made all those animals. Okay. So this is the sixth day. He makes man and he gives him dominion over the kingdom, over the animal world, over the whole earth. So when you think of the word dominion, Zena, what does that conjure in your mind? I would say that they had authority over everything. Right, right. Authority and in reality, it's a kingdom. A domain, a dominion mm-hmm. is a kingdom that you rule over. So Adam was essentially a king. He was given the reign of the earth. He's the only man. That is so crazy. And, you know, he doesn't make Eve until a little bit later because he finds out that none of the animals are suitable to be the perfect help for him. So he creates the woman. And you might know the story because he fell in a deep sleep on Adam, took a rib from the from yes. the side instead of the foot or the head so she wasn't beneath him or over him. She was equal with him. Oh, that's right? so sweet. But different in such a wonderful way because obviously women 
do things that a man can't do. Very true. You can bear children. Yes. <laughs> you can tolerate pain a lot better than us. <laughs> and we, you don't whine and complain when you get sick. We do. Men are babies. <laughs> so um, it's interesting to me because I think about that. And one of the reasons why in the Bible, a marriage between a man and a woman is such a special thing is because they complement each other. Where a man wants to be the guy that protects and uh, attacks and brings home dinner, you know, mm-hmm. by hunting or whatever. The woman has the nurturing side that counterbalances his idiocy, <laughs> right? <laughs> and also has the side that, you know, when a baby is crying at three in the morning, you know, the man thinks he's broken, go get my WD-40 and my screw yeah. gun. <laughs> and the woman can take the baby and hold it and nurture it and comfort it. And, and men were just not wired that way. <laughs> so that perfect blend is a, is a design, I think, that God had in mind from the very beginning. Uh, so that, that the balance is what I'm talking about, and it's so wonderful. But before he made Eve, he's already decrying or declaring to man that he created him in his own image, in the image of God created him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. Now, here comes the really interesting part. Okay? okay. And God blessed them in verse 28, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. So from the very beginning, before sin entered into the equation, man and woman were designed to procreate. So there was nothing bad or wrong with the act of procreation. Okay. It was a part of a perfect, sinless world and program. All right. What got tainted later is what messed everything up. Yeah. But for at this point in time, this whole act would have been, from best we can understand, like childbirth would have been painless. No. Yes. <laughs> because we find out because of sin that God said because of that, women will bear children with pain. Oh, that's not fair. I know it. <laughs> But that's what happened, and we're going to find out who was behind all that, and I'll give you two guesses. It was <laughs> Lucifer. Lucifer, of course. So anyway, here's the thing. He says, re, uh, multiply, be fruitful rather, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Now, what do you think he means by that? Well, replenish means what? To give I've got them. some supplies, and we're low on supplies. I need to replenish them. Make more, Make or buy more. more. Fill it up again. Yeah. Which means, had the earth been plenished before? Is he saying, like, replenished by having more kids or, right. or Repl- giving back to the earth? Well, these are the first two humans, okay? So okay. we'll say Adam and Eve. We haven't, they haven't named them yet, but we know that's what their names are. We'll get to that later. Uh, so they're the first two humans. So he's saying to be fruitful and multiply. So two humans are going to make more humans. Very true. Right? But to replenish means to fill it up again. So the earth had been filled up before man. Oh, that's right, right because the angels. See, so it's more evidence to show that okay. something was here before us. Wow. So, and now <laughs> it's funny how many, there are well meaning, devout, Christian believers who teach a young earth creation idea, which is God started on the first day and it was, you know, there wasn't any time before that. I disagree with that because I think the scripture says otherwise. And they reject the very idea of there being angels on the earth before man. And that's that's fine. That's their take on it. And it's okay. You should investigate all sides of any story, of yes. any, any theory. Um, however, in this case, They'll take the word replenish, and they'll try to say that it only means plenish. But if that were true, why is re in front of it? Very true. I'm not bright, but English is my first language, (laughs) so I can read a dictionary. So replenish the earth means to fill it up again, and then he says to subdue it. 
Now, what does the word subdue mean to you? It, I think of like an officer putting someone in handcuffs. Yeah. You know, it's trying to restrain them yeah. from doing something. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, if they're under arrest, we want to keep them yeah, we do. away <laughs> right. or, or doing another crime or something. <laughs> so when you're subduing something, and, and think of it like in a broader sense, a conquering army subdues their enemy. Yes. And then takes over their country or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? So he wanted them to subdue the earth. So what was there to subdue? That's a great question. If there's just him and the wife and the animals, and what we'll find out too is an interesting thing is at this time, animals didn't eat each other. They only ate the herb of the field. Now, did Adam and Eve at the time, did they eat animals? Nope, they sure didn't. They only ate the herb of the field. We'll find out. In fact, here it is, verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed. Mm-hmm which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And meat is an old English word for just food. Okay. Okay, so we think meat and we think beef. But really, the word evolved to mean pork, chicken, fish, hamburgers, whatever. That's meat. But in reality, in the beginning, meat was food. Okay, so meat could be vegetables. <laughs> so people would say, I, I want to have a meat in three, right? Well, <laughs> but vegetables are meat. Right. Well, at least it used to be. So he says, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the earth, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. Animals did not eat each other. Ah, Lucifer. I'm telling you. Animals didn't eat each other until Noah after the flood. So there was like 1,500 years before anybody had the first taste of a, of a burger. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so it's a really different world then. It was, it was similar in many respects. You know, we had seasons and we had the sun, the moon, the stars, but we didn't have, um, the, the people were all vegetarians mm-hmm. or actually literally vegans, you know, you know which uh, my daughter is a vegan, so <laughs> that she, is very she appreciates true. that. <laughs> so anyway... Um, We've noticed then that he said he made them male and female in God's image. And he also said that they were to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. So back to the word subdue. What was to be subdued if, if, the sub, if subjugating something, subduing something, is you having power over someone else to restrain them? The indication is somebody was an enemy that needed subduing. Do you think he knew that Lucifer was there and that he wanted Adam and Eve to subdue him? Absolutely. In other words, he wanted to have dominion over the earth and subdue it for God's glory from those who rebelled against him, which were the angels and Lucifer. Okay. So, And it's not like a man, a flesh and blood man, can fight an angel. So the battle is not going to be a um, physical fight. It's a spiritual warfare. And this is the beginning of the battle that I've been trying to tell people about. There's a spiritual war that's been going on since the moment man was created. And man has lost sight of that. Yeah. And we're thinking, oh, we, I need to get a lot of stuff and die with the most toys, you know? Yes. Or I need to stand for this cause or stand for that party or stand for this government or whatever. And in reality, that's all just a diversion from mm-hmm. what's really true. So we're going to dig, as we go along in the series of the podcast, we're going to really find some weird things about how the battle has been twisted and distorted from man's vision. Mm -hmm. After God makes man and he gives him dominion of the earth, you have to think, what's going on in the mind of Lucifer? 
Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to... I'm going to ask you some questions about this, Cena. We remember that Lucifer was a king. Yes. He was called the king of Tyrus. He was created in such a way that according to the book of Ezekiel, he was, every precious stone was his covering. Mm-hmm. Remember, we saw that. And gold. He had built-in tablets and pipes like musical. So he was like this musical god. You know, he was, <laughs> he was a cherub, but he had he was the sum of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Mm-hmm. All right. So God created him that way. He was the anointed cherub. He was the top dog of God's creation. It wasn't enough for him. Right? No. He wanted more. So he rebelled. He said, I want to be God. And God said, not going to happen. Boom. Knocked him back down. He gets down to the earth and says, all right, then I'll ruin what you made. So he destroyed, he spoiled, he made corruption out of God's creation. Mm-hmm. So God had to destroy it with a flood. And then God says, all right, Lucifer, I'm going to replace you, but let me show you how I'm going to do it. See how I made you with all this perfection? I'm going to take this pile of mud mm-hmm. and I'm going to pack it to make a man. And I'm going to breathe into it to the breath of life. And I'm going to give him your throne. God literally replaced Lucifer with a mud puppy. <laughs> Man was made of the dust of the earth, as if to say to Lucifer, I can do better with dirt than I did with you. Can oh, you, that's some shade. Can you imagine? <laughs> so Lucifer was incensed. How dare you give dominion of what used to be mine mm-hmm. to this thing that's lower than me, that's less than me, that's literally dirt with your breath put in it? You know, And that just shows how God already in the types, uses the base things, the simple things, the common things to advance his agenda mm-hmm. rather than the glory and the power and the might. You know, Satan offers men glory and power and might. God doesn't do that. He says, serve me, be humble. Yes. And, and in the afterlife, you'll get a blessing. You know, in the afterlife, you'll get your reward. But for now, I'm seeking those whose heart is after me not who want to be the best. You know? Yeah. So it's amazing to see how God reversed the whole thing. On he Lucifer, did. Right? So in that sense, then, Adam and Eve are now the male and the female that have dominion over the earth, and Lucifer knows they've got his throne. Yes. His dominion. So he wants it back. So he appears in the garden. Now, we are going to do an entire podcast on the Garden of Eden, but for now, we just want to get to the point of what happened in the garden when Lucifer appears to the woman, okay? So he appears to Eve in Genesis chapter 3. In verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more, and the word in the King James Bible is subtil. Now, we say the word subtle, S-U-B-T-L-E, okay, and it means soft and gentle. Subtil is spelled in the Bible S-U-B-T-I-L. Now, sub is, a, is from a Latin root, and it means under, like submarine, mm-hmm. okay. Till is from the word utility, like to till the ground. It, it means hand, literally. So think of hand tilling, farming, subtil, underhanded. Okay. He's sneaky. The serpent is underhanded. He's deceitful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the word subtle doesn't mean he was like a smooth, handsome guy. (laughs) What it means is he was intent on deceiving from the very beginning. Right. So it says the serpent was more subtil than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he had, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now we have to back up a little bit here because when God made Adam and Eve in chapter two, it talks about he placed them in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And there was a tree in the midst of the garden called the tree of life. Yes. 
And were they able to eat of that, they would have lived forever. Man was never created to die. Death came in after sin. Adam and Eve would have lived forever. So you're saying we would live forever. Man. Well, we will again. Okay. So in the because we will have access to the tree of life at some point in time in the future. See, God's going to bring everything full circle. Okay. So essentially the world that could have been if Adam and Eve had not sinned will be the world that is coming. Okay. Where we will have bodies that are perfect, ageless, sinless, no pains, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> That's what this Bible promises. But here, the serpent appears, and he questions that narrative, because God had said, you could eat of every tree but one, and there was, for some reason, and obviously God intended it for this reason, mm-hmm. there was another tree, not the tree of life, but it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he said, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but if you eat of that tree... You'll die the same day, and death would never have been a thing had it not been for that. Yeah. All right? So the devil knows, okay, this is my end. This is how I'm going to defeat Adam and God. If I can get him to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he'll die, and I could regain control. Yes. That's his thinking. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So he appears, and interestingly enough, he doesn't appear to Adam. He appears to the woman. Why is that? I have an opinion about it, and I think it's because if you think about all of art, music, and literature, the central theme of everything that man's written or recorded or whatever is basically about love and death. Yes. Love and death. I think what happened was Adam loved Eve more than he loved God, so that when the serpent came and deceived her, we're going to read it in just a moment, she ate first. And I think when he saw that and he knew she was going to die, he would rather die with her than live without her. And that seems so poignant, but in reality, it was still rebellion. He, it's, it's the way the devil got to Adam through his wife. And I think that happens still today. I think Satan operates through the, 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 the near love of a person to get to that person if he can. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, and it could be more than one way. It could be, for example, in a more insidious way. He can use uh, the opposite sex to uh, cause a person to be distracted from their own spouse or from their commitments or something like that. So, like, he causes temptation. Temptation, adultery, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Or uh, it could be that when there is a good union, and there's not infidelity in a marriage, he uses the one spouse to get to the other, whether it's strife, uh, fighting, uh, overbearing, one, overpowering the other. Mm-hmm. I've seen more than one time where a, like a man will snap at his wife and, oh, you, you keep quiet. And it's like, wait a minute, that's rude. You yes. Know? And you can't treat her like that. And then she'll cow. And sometimes it's the opposite, but it's usually men being domineering over women. And I think a lot of that is because of the sinfulness that came in. You mm-hmm. know? In the perfect world, she would have said, hang on. Let's go talk to my husband about this. And if he had done his job, he would have said, hang on, serpent. Let me consult with God about this. I'm not so sure what you're saying is accurate, you know. Mm -hmm. And instead of following up, they followed their own instinct. But we're going to find out why. There was something he said that tempted them to ignore God's wisdom and counsel Mm -hmm. and tricked them into buying what he was selling. 
Okay. So here we go. So he said, Yea, hath God said, you might not eat of all the trees of the garden. And um, the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. God had said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she was correct. I mean, she said, hey, he told us we can't eat that one. Yeah. You're kind of leaving something out here, serpent. Yeah. Right? And then he responds to the woman, you shall not surely die. He's already changing God's word. He's already lying. You shall not surely die, but in the day that, that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Now watch this. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the question is, who were the gods? There's only two people. Who are the gods? And so think of it. If I was going to tempt you, Zena, hey, Zena, if you'll rob this bank for me, I'm going to give you this thingamajig. And you would go, um, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what is this thingamajig that you're offering? That doesn't sound like a very good um, <laughs> exchange there, right? And if I said the thingamajig is like a, 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 a thing to pick up lint off your suit... <laughs> You're going to go, hmm, that's not worth robbing a bank, you know. But if I said the thingamajig was a billion dollars, you know, you might. (laughs) I'd be like, well, then why do you need me to rob the bank if you have a billion dollars? See, you can think things through. (laughs) You're smart. So um, obviously, if he had said the word thingamajig to Eve and she didn't know what it was, Uh she would have said, that's, what do you mean? He said gods. And she didn't say, who are the gods? Yeah, I'm questioning, who are the gods? So she knew who they were which means she could see them, or there would have been no temptation. Okay. In essence, he's saying, Eve, you're this woman. If you eat this fruit, God knows you're going to be open. You're going to gain enlightenment. Your eyes shall be open, and you'll be like the gods, knowing good and evil, knowledge, right? You're going to get some secret knowledge, yeah. right? So if you'll take the fruit. Well, she must have been able to look up and see these gods and go, well, yeah, I'm not like them. I'd like to be like them. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So who would the gods be? I'm assuming God himself and then maybe the other angels? In this case, it was the fallen angels that rebelled with Lucifer. 
Remember, they can't go to the third heaven. They're confined below the sea of glass. So he used them. So in other words, when he told these angels, join me and be a part of the rebellion, right? And a third of them joined him. What could he possibly have offered them when they knew he was the creature and not the creator? He would have offered them power, glory, a name. Mm -hmm. You will be Zeus. You will be Aphrodite. You will be Ra. You will be Buddha, whatever, (laughs) and we'll make you gods. Yeah. And so they're higher. Angels are higher than men in the way they're made. Remember, we're mud puppies. (laughs) Right, (laughs) We can't fly. We definitely can't. So she sees that and goes, hmm. So before we finish that story, let's talk about these angels for a second. You'll be as the gods, knowing good and evil. Now, remember, she's talking to the serpent. Mm -hmm. Now, remember I told you the picture of when we were kids, we saw the little white Adam and Eve with the fig leaf and the snake wrapped around an apple tree. Nothing says that tree was an apple. That's a total fiction. Okay. We don't know what the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was. It could have been a pear. It could have been a banana for all we know. (laughs) And yet the serpent we always picture as a snake. Mm -hmm. Well, when we go to the book of Revelation, the very last book, it's interesting. The serpent appears in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Mm -hmm. The serpent appears in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. He just does not give up. He doesn't give up. He he will be defeated, but he doesn't give up. So Genesis, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 12. And we read, there was appeared another wonder in heaven in verse 3. And it says, behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew, and the word drew is D-R-E-W, and it's the old English past tense of saying drag. We would say he dragged him down the street. Mm -hmm. They would have said he drew him down the street. Okay, so his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. And we're going to talk about the woman in a moment. But this is an image in heaven, so it's a sign in heaven. So we got a seven-headed red dragon, and his tail is dragging, dragon, dragging. (laughs) His tail is dragging a third of the stars. Now, if we go down to verse seven, we're not interested in what's actually happening at this moment, what this prophecy entails, but I want to read more about it to show who these actors are. Mm -hmm. So in verse seven, it says, there was war in heaven. Now there's going to be a real Star Wars. This is it. It says, Michael, remember that name? Yes. He's the archangel. He's God's top brass, Mm -hmm. his top general. Michael and his angels, the good angels, fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. The dragon has angels. They're the stars he drew. Remember we read about in the book of Job that when God made the earth, the morning stars sang for joy? Yes. Those were the angels. A third of the stars by the dragon, one third of the angels joined him in the rebellion. That's how I know that number. Okay. Right here in Revelation. We didn't know that till now. Right. But it says the great uh, there was a there was a war in heaven. The dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. There's the good news. He won't defeat Michael and his angels. Good. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. You know where Satan's place is right now? In the stars. In heaven. Right. The second heaven. Mm -hmm. The stars. So verse nine says, then the great dragon was cast out. Now watch this. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Do you know who that serpent was talking to Eve? 
He was a seven-headed red dragon. Was that Lucifer, though? Yep. It's Satan. It's the, he appeared as this. And that image of Lucifer, but he goes from being this beautiful cherub thing mm-hmm. with the four faces to being a seven-headed dragon. Scary. The, yeah, very. The seven-headed dragon is a picture of his connection to the earth. In other words, he wants dominion of the earth. So the seven-headed dragon and the ten horns represents the political power that he will eventually control. He's got control now, but not to the extent where everything is... See, God, man was told to subdue the earth. Satan is trying to subdue the earth. Mm-hmm. All mankind. And this is a picture of his political power. It's, it's put together through several kingdoms. And we're going to look at those different kingdoms eventually in the book of Daniel which describes the four major empires of the earth, and Satan had control of all of them. Mm -hmm. So this was just to show you who the serpent was. So now, instead of picturing a little snake wrapped around an apple tree... I am picturing this huge, scary monster. (laughs) And he may not have been gigantic, but he definitely was an unusual-looking thing. Now, Eve would have had no reason to fear it, because there's no sin, no fear, no no danger. Very true. So she's looking at this thing as another beautiful creature. Right. right? And I bet it was. Mm-hmm. We think of a dragon as scary, but I bet if we had been there to see it, it would have been this amazing looking creature. Because you know, there's weird looking animals. Yes. You, know, you think of like the platypus. <laughs> what is it? Is it a duck? Is it a beaver? You know, it lays eggs. It's weird. You know, and there's other strange animals. Mm-hmm. So this could have been just like another. In to her, strange wouldn't have been ugly. To her, strange would have been ooh, this is new. Like, ooh, yeah, wow. wow, what are you? You know. <laughs> so he comes along and he says these things to her about the tree in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. And you can eat it. And he knows that the day you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be as gods. So now we know one third of the angels that joined him in rebellion are the gods that she can see, that she wants to be like, if she could, if she could, all right? And then if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse uh, 7, it says, uh, excuse me, verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so it was a pleasant fruit, Mm -hmm. it it looked delicious, right? And that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be, watch this, desired to make one wise. Now think of something, rather than wait on God's wisdom... She could get all the wisdom of the gods right now. Now, that's going to be central to the theme of Bible Mysteries podcast because we're going to find out that the world today is controlled by an elite group of people that didn't want to wait on God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. They took the fruit. And in that sense, it's a type of what they did. They basically said, Satan, if you give me all the power and glory and wisdom, we will become illuminated. Okay. You ever heard the word illuminati? Yes. There you now you know why. They are occult billionaires that control governments for Satan's purpose. And it's scary to think how much power they have. It's there. And so, you know, look over here, fight this battle, uh, vote left, vote right. Look over here, fight this battle. I'm pro this, I'm pro that. Yeah. And we're being distracted while these elites are doing their thing behind the scenes. They don't care who gets elected. They don't care what cause you support. They don't care how many people die. They are sold to this Lucifer, to this dragon. And they're doing what they do in order to bring about his dominion. So would you say this group of elite people, basically 
you know, sold their soul to Lucifer. In in a sense, and it's not like the, you know, the Hollywood talks about you mm-hmm. selling your soul, you sign your name in blood. Yeah. On the <laughs> they didn't actually do that, but they participate in occult rituals and satanic worship mm-hmm. behind the scenes. We would be shocked if, if they could ever be exposed and revealed how many people in government around the world are involved in that. And there's uh, when we get into there when we get into types in the Bible, we're going to also look at satanic symbolism, and we're going to find out that they are. It appears to be now that symbolism is everything to them, to this elite, and they have specific thumbprints, if you will, on things that they do, and their symbols show up all over the place, and they're starting to be more blatant in where they put them. Interestingly enough, one of the places where you'll find them more often is in music videos. Okay. Look for occult symbolism in music videos. And we'll, there's an excellent website called thevigilantcitizen.com that you can go to, and you can read a lot about this guy who analyzes symbolism in every part of culture, not just music videos. But when he breaks down what they're doing, it's like shocking. It will shock you to see. You know? So that's something I recommend people look into. Now, anyway, back to the text of the scripture here. She ate when she saw it was desired to make one wise. She took of the food thereof and did eat. And here's the kicker and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Now, the husband is Adam. Yes. He hasn't said a word, but he was there the whole time. Why didn't Adam stand up and say, get the heck out of here, serpent? Leave my wife alone. He didn't protect her. He didn't spiritually defend her. He didn't interrupt and say, you need to talk to God or anything like that. I don't know what his thinking was. Maybe he was watching football. I don't know. Very persuaded. (laughs) Well, the wife takes the children to church. Daddy stays home and watches football. And it's kind of been that way ever since, unfortunately, where men shirk their spiritually God-given responsibility to be a protector. So whatever it was, he was there the whole time. He didn't speak up. He didn't defend And he ate the fruit too. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They had been naked before, and they didn't know it, because their nakedness was not something that would have been a shame. There would have been no reason to think of it as something negative or bad or anything like Mm -hmm. that. You know, they probably were clothed with, like, the righteousness of God, like almost like a glowing type of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I believe they physically took on a different characteristic. Yeah. And I can't prove this, but I think that it's possible that if she ate first and he turned and looked at her and he immediately knew something happened, I'll bet whatever she looked like before she ate was different the moment she ate. And then she became flesh and blood just as you and I are. Mm-hmm. So he could see the difference and he decided to eat too and be like her because he didn't want to live without her. Mm-hmm. And he was expecting to die with them. Remember, they thought they were going to die that day. Okay? And he told them they would die. That day you eat thereof, you shall surely die, God said. So he chose to die. So he ate the fruit. Now they are, uh, you know, you could like prick them and they would bleed, mm-hmm. right? You could punch them and they would feel pain. Now there's sin. Now they've introduced sin into the human genome through this act, right? And that's what the serpent was trying to do. And he had a reason for it. He was trying to get them destroyed. If he could get them killed, they're gone. Right. So he's expecting that God is going to kill them. All right. Now, God shows up. You know, he's walking in the garden. (laughs) He's literally walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they're hiding from him because they're naked. And when he says, why were you hiding? He says, I was naked. 
Adam says. And he says, who told you you were naked? And man does what man has always done. He said, the woman, <laughs> the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I did eat. So he admits, <laughs> he admits his own guilt finally, right? but first he tried to pass the buck. But the woman doesn't get off either. He turns to the woman, he says, what have you done? And she said, the serpent. <laughs> right? She tries to pass the buck. He deceived me and I did eat. So then he turns to the serpent and God said, um, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, I think that's a picture of something. It's not the reason why snakes crawl, because snakes, like we saw, is not really a snake anyway that was mm-hmm. in the garden. And snakes climb trees, they swim, there's all manner of snakes, right? So this is something more inclined to point out a, a position of lowering your... Remember, he was the anointed cherub. Now you're going down. You're mm-hmm. going down. And eventually, he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire. Okay. But here he's saying, for the rest of your time, you're never going to be what you were. You're never going to, again, attain to that thing. And he says this, and I will put enmity, verse 15. Enmity means like animosity. I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, ostensibly Eve. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he says, and between thy seed and her seed. What is a seed? I mean, that's what you have to plant to make trees. Right? And it's an also an old English way of referring to your offspring, like the seed of Abraham are the children of Abraham. Okay. Okay. So, and, and in a literal sense, when you think about it, even when human beings procreate, a seed is transferred to an egg mm-hmm. and fertilized and a baby grows, right? So it's it comes from that idea. Okay. So in this sense, the idea of when something is referred to as the seed, it's like going to be the offspring. You will bear a child. So he says the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Is the serpent going to have a child? I would hope not. He does. Why would God want another Lucifer running around? Well, we'll find out that it's not genetically going to happen as though a man and a woman would procreate. It's going to be they would become children of the serpent by choice, by following, by allegiance. Okay, Jesus Christ, when he was alive on the earth, refuted the Pharisees who rejected his teaching. And they were the religious order of the Jews that wanted him persecuted and killed. And he said, ye are of your father the devil, and the works of your father you will do. He didn't literally spawn them as bearing children. Mm -hmm. They worshipped him. They followed him through their actions. Okay. Okay. So the seed of the serpent will be the Antichrist. He's a man but he will be inhabited by Satan at some point. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a future thing. But the seed of the woman, there will be no reason to think of as anything other than a baby, a child that would come from her. And here we're thinking the woman is Eve, right? And so is the serpent. Because who else is there? There's, yeah, Adam, there's Eve. If there's going to be a seed of the woman, it's going to be their child. Yes. There's no one else to call the seed, right? He doesn't know any better. So he says that between the enmity is between thy seed and her seed, it, the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head. Now, a bruise to the head can be a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. And thou, the serpent, shall bruise his heel. Now, a bruise to the heel is not necessarily a mortal wound. It could, it could limit you. It could uh, uh, injure you. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't necessarily destroy you. 
Very true. So this turns out to be a prophecy of Jesus Christ. It's the first prophecy in the Bible that will come. And what we'll find out later, much later in our, in our series, is that the woman is Eve as far as the devil's concerned. But God's making a prophetic statement about the nation Israel. She's called the woman, the wife of God later in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And the child that is born of her ends up being from the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. The seed of the serpent, or the serpent himself, rather, bruises the heel of the seed of the woman. Christ gets crucified. The devil incited the mob to do that. His children, the Pharisees, said, crucify him. And they killed him. He thought he won. But then he rose from the dead. And in that victory, rising up, resurrection, which the devil didn't believe could ever happen, he rose again and bruised the head of the serpent. And will ultimately defeat him in the end, right? Good. So that's the beautiful picture of redemption that the Bible is laying out from the very first book. It starts here. And the, and the reason why you read that, you go, how do you get all that from that? Well, you have to look at other scriptures to see it. But at the time, there weren't other scriptures, so Lucifer couldn't figure it out. He says the seed of woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. So what do you think Lucifer concludes from that? The serpent. I would say he concludes, well, obviously he thinks that he won Uh because he got Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge, but he has no idea that God has something else, you know, up his sleeve. That's right. And so what he's thinking is, and he doesn't know this yet, but if the two are going to be allowed to live and have a child, that child is a threat to me. So I need to kill that child. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where this is going. Okay. But before we go to that, let's get back to this thing about the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate it, and they were supposed to die that day. But do you know that Adam lived to be 930 years old? How is that possible? Back then, sin had not taken a hold yet. I mean, it was in their genetics the moment they ate. But that was the first perfect man. First perfect woman. Can you imagine how beautiful they would have been? Right. I mean, like red, stunning looking. I wonder <laughs> if she was a redhead. I like, right? <laughs> you know? But they would have been these stunning examples of human genetics, mm-hmm. right? Perfect. Uh, and at, because of the way the world was at that time, they lived, to, they, they lived a long, long time. The oldest lived man was a man named Methuselah in the book of Genesis, and he lived to be 969 years old. He died just before the flood of Noah. Wow. So men lived upwards of seven, eight, nine hundred years back then until after the flood that we began to deteriorate in our longevity until it got to be about 70, 80, 90 years and it stopped. That's about our basic now where we are. By the way, it's going to come back in the millennial reign when the man Jesus comes back to reign on the earth according to the Bible. People are going to be living as long as a tree again, it says. And that's before eternal life. That's just on the earth as flesh and blood. Whoa. So it's coming back. And the reason they'll be able to do that is because of these trees that God's going to bring. You know, interesting. Not the tree of life, but something else. Anyway, um, so why didn't they die? How did Adam get to live to be 930 years old? Yeah, why didn't God kill them? That's a great question. So here's the answer to that. Um, It's found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. 
Now, this is after he said, you did this, so this is cursed. Man would have to dig out of the earth to make his living. Mm -hmm. Instead of just the earth feeding him, he would have to toil and sweat. Woman would give childbirth in pain. The serpent crawls on the belly, right? So there's a curse brought in because of sin. And then in verse 20, we read, And Adam, that's the man, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And then this one little obscure verse that people read and they gloss over because there's a mystery hidden in it. Mm -hmm. It says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So they were naked. So we think, yeah, they needed some clothes. So he made him some clothes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all well and good, but why skin? Yeah. I mean, God could have made polyester if he wanted to. And whose skin? Whose exactly. So what do you think it was? I'm assuming it's an animal. It was. It was an animal. Think of it like this. Some innocent animal, God pulls aside and he brings him in front of Adam and Eve and he says, if you bear this sin, you have to die. But I can kill this innocent animal that did nothing wrong in your place as a substitute. You just lay your hands on it and you transfer your guilt to this animal and I'm going to kill this animal who did nothing wrong, I'm going to shed its blood, and then I'm going to take its skin and clothe you with it as a reminder of what happened. I am willing to bet that that animal was a lamb. Why do you think that? Because Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God later on in the Bible. And that lamb was a picture of the replacement of man's guilt put on another person. Mm -hmm. And according to Scripture... Man's guilt was placed upon Jesus on the cross. Yes, because he why, died for our sins. Which is why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And there's a passage in the book of Hebrews that says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. So animal sacrifices began that day. And Adam would have been taught to do it from that point forward, and he would have taught his children to do it too. Mm -hmm. Now, we're almost out of time, so I want to get to one thing real quick before we wrap up this episode today. They have children. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 says, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. So the first child born is a, boy, is a man named Cain. Okay. And she said, Behold, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And they could have been twins. It might be the same birth and they were just twins. Mm -hmm. But Cain and Abel. And it says, Abel was a keeper of sheep. He became a shepherd. And, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He's a farmer. All right. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. What was wrong with Cable with Cain? <laughs> Cable. What was wrong with Cain's offering? Is it because he offered? So Cain was the one that offered the animal, correct? No, Abel offered the animal. Abel He's the shepherd. The okay. Cain offered the fruit of the ground, vegetables. What was wrong with Cain's offering? God accepted Abel's offering. And it ties into something I just said a moment ago that I don't expect you necessarily to remember because I said a lot. <laughs> but remember I said without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins to take it away. Oh, okay. Temporarily, right. Okay. So Cain offered a bloodless sacrifice. He did. Have you ever heard the expression, you can't get blood from a turnip? Yes. It comes from this. Cain offered turnips. I mean, he didn't literally have turnips. <laughs> but plants don't have blood. That's true. Chlorophyll or whatever plants mm -hmm. have, right. 
So God couldn't accept his offering because he couldn't remit his sins. Sin's now in the human race, right? Mm -hmm. Every man has to offer sin offerings at this point forward. Abel brings a blood sacrifice, the firstling of the flock. Cain could have brought vegetables to Abel and said, can I buy a lamb and offer it to the Lord? But instead, he brought his own work, his own work of his hands. Yeah, he was, he was happy my with it. My righteousness. <laughs> I don't need your blood. I'm going to give you my veggies, you know. And He's he like, I don't up. want it. And God says, that's no good. Well, here's the problem. Cain gets angry. Now, later on, we find in the book of 1 John that it says Cain was of that wicked one. He killed his brother. Why do you think that happened? Sure, he was jealous. God accepted his brother's offering, but not Cain's. Yeah. So Cain rose up and slew his brother in the field. Just killed him. Oh Cold-blooded. My, oh, my goodness. Why did he do that? Because Lucifer knew. Cain gave, Cain rebelled. He gave the wrong sacrifice. He knew it was wrong. His daddy would have taught him the right sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve would have told them what to do. God showed them. Abel knew it. Cain knew it, too. He just didn't do it. He didn't want to do it. He wanted his own works, religion. Mm-hmm. Instead of what God required, he gave him religion, man's ideas. I want to give you my vegetables. God says, I can't accept it. No blood, no remission. Go back and do the right thing. Instead of doing the right thing, Cain kills his brother. So rude. Who incited Cain to kill Abel? Lucifer. If Abel's offering was righteous and Cain was of the wicked one, then what did Lucifer think about Abel? That he was a threat. He was the seed of the woman that would bruise his head. Mm-hmm. If I kill him, I don't have a threat. Cain's mine. Cain's yeah. on my side. So he killed Abel. So Lucifer thought he won again. Mm-hmm. And every time he does something, God turns him around. Because what he didn't know was that Cain was, or Abel rather, was not the seed that would bruise his head. That's not going to come till much later, and Satan can't figure that out until it's too late. So next week, what we're going to find out is men began to populate, and it wasn't easy to find who was with him and who was with Lucifer and who was with God. There became too many to kill them all, mm-hmm. so he had another plan in mind, and that's where we get the giants from. So Ooh. we'll talk about that, Lord willing, next week. What do you think? I'm super excited. I want us to keep going. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, tune in next week. And remember, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast, Bible Mysteries. You can find more information about these things, including other lessons, at utbnow.com. That's unlockthebiblenow.com. So till next week, thank you for listening. This is Scott. And Zena. Saying good day. Bye. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.